Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that never rolls critical misses on their Rick Rolls. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me always is my brother, Peter. Here. Hey, man. Uh, welcome back. Uh, yeah, thanks. I, uh, you had a family uh, situation happen last week, so we kind of missed you, but we understand. Family comes first. So welcome back to the show. Um, I mean... Yeah, welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. It feels like it's been like it's been a while since I've been back, even though I only skipped a week, but it just feels like a month for some reason. But it's, I think that's just the crazy times we live in right now. Yeah, it's also weird. Um, it's also weird that you say that because when we take anytime we take a week off, we always record like an extra show so our listeners don't have a week off. And it always feels like we're gone like a month and we have those weeks off and I'm always worried that when we do, we're not going to get back into the swing of doing the show. Um, the, uh, the interesting part about it being a, uh, the times we live in, I look forward to this every week specifically because I know I can sit down for an hour and talk nerd stuff. Um, that just for like, I know I, we could just sit and talk nerd stuff for a little while and I don't normally get that during my day because of the world we live in right now. Like you can't go see anyone. You can't do anything. You know what I mean? So, yeah, no, I, I agree. Actually, I was, uh, really excited to record the podcast for the same reason tonight. Cause I just haven't had any like nerd discussion time in the last two weeks. So it's definitely Not only that, but like I, awesome I'll, Xbox. I'll turn on What's my that? Xbox. Thing. I'll turn on my Xbox thinking, Oh, Hey, let's see if anyone's able to play. No one's on when I'm on, you know? Yeah. So it's just like, all right, <laughs> That's cool. That's funny. Um, at any rate, um, let's jump in, man. Uh, you are the one who took the week off. What are you watching? What are you reading? Yeah. So, um, okay. So I did. I did take a week off, but I haven't watched and read as much as I probably should have. But uh, that's okay. I do have a couple things. Uh, the first thing I wanted to bring up is uh, every you know every like month or two, I'll bring up uh, the movie that we just keep showing to uh, my son over and over again because he's like in the toddler age range and we're just desperately trying to find uh, movies that will hold his attention. So for a while, it was just nothing but Toy Story over and over again. And we've gone through a bunch of the Pixar movies. But lately, um, which is actually a pretty festival or festive choice. But lately, we've been watching uh, Nightmare Before Christmas with him a lot. And he loves it. I thought you were about to say Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not 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 yet. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe when he's, uh, you know, eight or nine years old. No, just kidding. But uh, no, we've been watching. Sensitize him early. That's all I say. (laughs) That's true. Um, But but he he really loves Nightmare Before Christmas. And I think I I know the visuals uh, does factor into that. But I think like the music probably has a huge part in it because it's just 
Danny Elfman's music in that movie is just so catchy and so um, infectious and everything. And uh, I've just been really enjoying that movie being on like 24 seven at my house because it's one of those movies that every time I watch it, I'm I get like re awestruck with just how impressive of a movie it is. You know, you have this movie that's kind of a play on the old um what is it? The Franklin and bash, or I don't remember what it's called, but you know, the old, like Rudolph, the red nosed ranger or reindeer and all those like claymation classics. And it's a movie that's kind of a play on that, but just how far, how much they pushed the animation in nightmare before Christmas is like actually incredible. If you look back at it and thinking about how like the movie's going on, what is it going on 30 years old at this point? And just how, well done the animation is the cinematography the uh sort of production design to it how unique a lot of the sets are and the characters i just it's just i've just been enjoying like rewatching this movie over and over again and getting like something new out of it you know every time um i have a couple more things i wanted to mention i don't know if you sure. have any comments on nightmare before christmas at the moment i know we've talked about this movie before though so it's a fantastic movie and just because i know it's a common misconception it is not directed by uh tim burton um he was an executive producer on it but he didn't direct it and a lot of people like just assume that he directed it's like it's like that um i guess you'd say it's the mandela effect like oh yeah tim burton directed that he did not uh, yeah it's nick uh shekel i think is how you pronounce his last name but um, yes yeah, some, some, yeah. something like that um really yeah, good i knew movie. it wasn't yeah for sure i knew it wasn't directed by him but i guess like the only thing i'm saying is like if any of our listeners haven't watched this movie for a while like go back and watch it and just pay attention to the craft that was put into this movie. And then also remember when this movie came out and just like, to me, it's just really impressive. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is uh, a couple months ago, I guess it was back in September. I actually thought it was more recent than that, but uh, a new uh, season of the great British baking show came out on Netflix <laughs> and uh, we've been, right. we've been watching that a ton. Uh, I don't know if you've watched the great British baking show drew, but this show is awesome. I don't watch any reality TV really. Like the closest thing I got to reality TV that I watched was, um, comic book men. Uh, right. I find the majority of my problem. I don't like watching, um, competition shows. I think they're kind of (laughs) dumb. Okay. (laughs) I just, I always have, I just, I think they're all dumb and the majority of them are music and dancing. Um, and not that yeah. I don't like music and dancing. I just was like, eh, I just I don't have the the, cons- the ability to sit and like I feel like I'm wasting my time when I'm watching that kind of stuff. So oh, I, I hear you. I think um, see competition reality shows are the only ones I like. Um, I'm not very into the singing and dancing ones, but stuff like face off stuff like um, even like Project Runway, like the oh. stuff that's more like artistically based i get pretty into and that's like the great british baking show i enjoy a lot because i'm not a uh i'm not a baking aficionado at all but it still has that sort of design craft work level of like a show like face off when you look at what the contestants uh actually make on there but then the other thing is just all of the hosts are like have a really funny sort of uh 
they have like four different hosts to the show and they all have like a really funny sort of banter between them all. And it's just like a really fun show to watch. And uh, that's coming from, like I said, I'm not that into baking. So that's just another thing. If people are curious, I definitely say check this out, because if I can be made a believer about this show, I think honestly anybody could. <laughs> and uh, the last thing I watched is uh, it took me a bit, but I'm all caught up on Mandalorian. Um, oh, I God. fell behind for two episodes, but uh, I oh, I watched them and uh, they were awesome. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk about those yet or if you want to um, save that for a bit. No, let me give you my watching and reading and then we'll talk Mandalorian real quick. <laughs> Okay, because, sounds good. Because holy crap. Um, <laughs> all right. That being said, is that all you want to talk about before we before I go? Yeah, that's pretty much it for me. OK, well, anyone who listens to the show recently uh, or whatever, they know that I've been doing a lot of D&D stuff. I have a couple groups and I teach that class for the park district um, where I you know, got the group of kids more playing D&D. And in this covid world, it's kind of nice to be able to sit down and like do something like that with the kids. Um, so, um, and it's, it's good mental health kind of thing. Like let's sit down and have a conversation and talk and play a game and that kind of stuff. And we do it virtually on occasion, but, uh, as things like open and adjust and change, we've been able to do some, uh, in-person gaming. Um, but, uh, D and D just released, uh, the new source material book, uh, Tasha's cauldron of everything. Uh, I have the copy sitting here in front of me right now. Um, what I think is amazing about this is if you play Dungeons and Dragons, first off, there's amazing. It's the whole book is primarily like character classes and new options for character design and spells. And there's some really cool DM tips like puzzles and traps and stuff in the back of the book. It's it's a fantastic book. So I've been reading a chunk of it here and there. That's primarily what I've been reading recently. What I think is really cool about this book, though, is that uh, well, I pre-ordered it back in, I think, July, maybe July, August ish. And um, it screamed to the number one spot on Amazon. <laughs> like, it <laughs> flew to the top of the charts for Amazon really fast. And it was that and then Matthew McConaughey's book. And what I think is, <laughs> what I think is really funny is Matthew McConaughey probably went, I wonder how my book's doing, and wanted to check it out and was like, wait, what? <laughs> I love that. Um so, yeah, that that really like made me kind of happy to see that uh, because, you know, that people are like, oh, new D&D book. But they're all sitting around playing virtually and doing that stuff because there's not a lot of things you can do right now in this world. Um, so I thought that was awesome. The book is fantastic, though. Um, nice. What I watched before we talk about The Mandalorian is um, I talked about a little bit when I uh, when Scott was on last week because I had just started it, but I have finished it since. And that is the show The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Uh, do you know what the show is? Yeah, I've heard of it. I'm curious. I just haven't uh, taken the plunge on this one. I've All heard right. good things, though. So I'm a I'm a big I'm a big fan of the game chess. It's probably one of my it's probably one of the it's it not only is it probably the greatest board game that ever been created it's considered a sport in mo- most cultures um but it's one of the greatest games i've ever played um and i've always been a fan of chess and this show is it's a fictional story i did look it up because i wanted to know if it was true or not it is a fictional story it's based off of a novel by the same title of the queen's gambit it's about this orphan girl who gets t- she learns how to play chess at the orphanage and then she becomes adopted. And then on her own, she seeks out how to play chess. She just wants to play chess with people. And then there's a tournament. And she basically becomes this chess prodigy. And it's all about her rise to being a grandmaster. Um, but the 
the series, it's a limited series. So you're looking at seven episodes. I don't know if they're going to go any farther. And if you see how the show ends, I don't know if they will go farther. I think it's going to be a one season thing because it says season one on Netflix, but it's also listed as a limited series. So it's probably a one season only. Um, but it is a, it is absolutely amazing. The acting superb. The set design is superb. The costume is amazing. The script is astounding. Like you're you're there with it the whole time. And if you know chess, it's funny because I would like you're watching these matches. And did you ever see Searching for Bobby Fischer? A long time ago. Okay. The show's about the kid who's a chess prodigy and he's playing yeah. chess, right? They don't do a lot. Aside from a couple spots in the movie, it's all about the kid. It's not a lot about the chess. Um, but it's a movie. It's only like a two-hour movie. So they have to – you have to find the balance in the two hours. Well, this is yeah. a show. So out of the seven hours of TV you're watching, there's a good balance of the game versus her as a person, as a character. So yeah. there's a really good balance between the two. And they found such a balance that when they were in the chess matches, I found myself actually watching the chess matches. Um, and you're just like, whoa, that was a good move. Like, oh, you know, what I mean, like, yeah, I didn't really feel I got that from other stuff like searching for Bobby Fisher. I just thought it was it's just it's a really, really good watch. Um, I can't speak highly enough about it. So, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I need to check this one out. It sounds really cool. I like um that's really neat that you said that it really um, focuses on the chess, like you said. Like uh, you actually are paying attention to the game, and not just the um, the characters and the story. I think that's like sounds like something really important, and uh, yeah, it sounds awesome. Yeah, you definitely, you definitely, I highly, highly recommend it. So, but let's talk about the Mandalorian because holy <laughs> cow! So yes. first off. We both watched the – you were two episodes behind, so you got to see the Spider episode and then the Mandalorian uh, yes. where the other Mandos come in. Okay. So what do you think of the Spider episode? Because that was the cutest and creepiest episode they've ever done. So here's what I was going to say because I feel like you're going to have a lot of lore talk as far as the next episode. But I loved a little bit, this. Yeah. Uh, I, I loved the Ice Spiders episode. Like, I, I honestly think that's my favorite episode of the series so far. Um, there's just it did this thing where there was so uh, we're obviously going to be talking about spoilers, but through the whole oh, yeah. episode. Oh, yeah. Anytime was, we, I'm going to put this right now and I'll have to say it again. Anytime we talk about the Mandalorian, there's going to be spoilers. Yeah. Our episodes are drop one episode. We're always record an episode ahead of our listeners on purpose for spoiler reasons. So if you haven't watched it, that sucks. Um, sorry, we're going we're gonna to spoil it because it's too important to talk about. Keep up because <laughs> this, this is water cooler talk. This is you watch the episode and you sit down and you discuss it. That's, a, that's what's supposed to happen in life. So, <laughs> yeah, well, well, I was just going to say, like, I felt like the episode did such a good job of just portraying, like, this level of tension that kept increasing as you watch the episode. Cause even from the start, these characters are going to this planet, but you don't really know where they're going and there's some sort of tension. And then you've got baby Yoda eating the uh, frog creatures eggs. So that's like a little bit more tension. Like, well, you know, what if this character runs out of eggs and then you realize that that's the last of like that species. So literally if baby Yoda doesn't calm down, like that species could go extinct. Like that's like another level of tension and then getting essentially pulled over by the X wings and then the crazy chase scene. And then 
you know, having to like end up in that, uh, that cave and the whole ice spider sequence. Like I just thought everything just kept amping up and up. And I just thought there was so much suspense that I just really loved, but a, a whole other aspect that I don't know if the Mandalorian has really explored a lot yet is I really love, um, the sort of like outer space survival sort of stories, you know, where like, you know, they were remo- or marooned on this planet with a broken ship. They were stuck in this cave. And I love that sort of like survival aspect to it. And uh, I think of like some of my favorite uh, sci-fi movies like have that same aspect, like um, Alien Covenant did that a lot. Um, I, a couple other alien movies do that, of course. And even like looking back at the uh I think it's like the late nineties lost in space movie, even as corny as that movie is. I always loved the uh, sort of survival elements they had to different points in that movie too. And uh, this Mandalorian episode, like definitely had that sort of space survival aspect that I just love. Um, so yeah, I just, I freaking loved the ice spiders episode. Uh, I know I've been going on and on. I just thought this was a really good television. The last thing I'll say is when, the ice spiders actually wake up or hatch and they're chasing um, the three characters back to the ship. That was such an intense uh, chase scene too. Cause I just, <laughs> I was just watching it and audibly while, while watching it, I was, I just kept going, damn, damn. And you know, they all like invaded <laughs> uh, the ship and I was like, damn. And then they're like almost getting in the cockpit. I was like, damn. And like, it was just so suspenseful. So I just, I really loved that episode overall. This, this whole season has been incredibly intense. Yeah. Like hyper um, intense. Um, and I think that's amazing uh, that they can keep that rolling. Um, so yeah. And those ice spiders, uh, I know you're a big art guy, so I don't know if you've looked any of that stuff up. Uh, I was telling Scott last week that there was a, uh, there's a lot of people on the internet who were talking about how they were like, Oh, they just took those from Harry Potter. Um, no, they didn't. No. Um, those ice spiders, <laughs> I think that's funny how you said that. Um, those ice spiders actually go all the way back to the original, uh, Ralph McQuarrie artwork. Um, okay, I can that see that concept art uh, that was never used. Those were spiders that um, apparently existed on Dagobah, um, where oh, Yoda nice. lived. Um, and it was just concept art that was never used. So they just, you know, it's that thing where you dig through the archives. You're like, oh, this never got used. Let's throw that in there. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, they, those they, ice spiders. They, oh, keep going. Sorry. Those spiders have existed so in the entirety of Star Wars, so forty plus years. So yeah. <laughs> Well, they, they reminded me of something else um, from a movie, just their gen- general like shape and silhouette. But the Harry Potter thing, like, yeah, there's giant spiders on Harry Potter, but they're kind of just normal looking spiders. And I thought these ice spiders had a really unique uh, sort of design to them. So I wouldn't compare them to Harry Potter, even though, yeah, like, yes, there are giant spiders in Harry Potter as well, you know? <laughs> sure. Um <clears throat> So, uh, yeah, so let's talk about that third episode. Okay. Um, Mandalorian craziness. Um, here's the thing. There's been rumors from this show that, you know, happened. Like, we're going to see Boba Fett. We're going to see Ahsoka. We're going to see Bo-Katan. We're going to, you know, they're going to get into, they're going to start bleeding some of those, like, loose ends from Rebels and Clone Wars into the show. And you're going to start seeing this and that. And it's a it's one thing to hear those rumors. It's something completely different to actually get to see it happen. And it was 
first off, when they landed, I was like, oh, my God, that's Bo-Katan. Nice. And yeah. I was like, oh, my God, we're, we're seeing this. And it it is astounding how you look at what the character looks like in the Clone Wars and Rebels, and then you see the character in live action, and it's almost like you it, like where's the difference between the animation versus the live action? That's um, yeah, that's awesome. It, it was incredible, and to have and the fact that you look at the, if you go back and you look at the pictures, like what Bo-Katan looks like in both cartoons and then what she looks like in live action. I'm sorry that I mean yeah, they casted the actress who voices her, but Katie Sackhoff, like it looks, it's it's Katie Sackhoff. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like they they basically brought Bo-Katan to life, and it looked astounding. Um, things that Bo-Katan talked about when she she said verbally the dark saber. Um, I believe, and I, I'd have to go back and check Rebels and Clone Wars, but I'm pretty sure that's the first time anyone's called it the dark saber verbally. Um, oh, and, nice. And if you know the dark saber, that is a um, a lightsaber from the old Republic. So like hundreds of years before episode one, Phantom Menace, um, mm-hmm. back during the uh, uh, time of the Sith Empire. So well, actually thousands, thousands of years before, because it would be uh, they would go back all the way to the Sith Empire um, when the Mandalorians first were building their army to combat the Jedi. The um, the dark saber survived and was kept on Mandalore, and then the Death Watch had it, and then the dark saber. Then, um, like you see it through Clone Wars, you see what happens to the dark saber, and then the dark saber makes an appearance in Rebels, and you see where it goes, and you know who has it at the end of Rebels, but that takes place before A New Hope. So then you jump to the Mandalorian stage, and the dark saber is being held by Moff Gideon, um, but Bo-Katan is looking for the dark saber. So we know that connection. And then Bo-Katan turns to him and he's like, I'm looking for I need to take the, the kid back to their kind, to his own kind. Um, and she goes, oh, you should go to this planet and talk to Ahsoka Tano. Yeah. And you're just like, <laughs> oh, OK, we heard about the rumor. Here we go. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it was a complete gasp. You're just like, oh, OK, we're doing it like, <laughs> you know, Um mm-hmm. It was just like there were so many things verbally brought up that you're just like, yes, yes. And then um, and then throw in the fact that, like, the Mandalorians versus the Stormtroopers. Holy cow. That was awesome. <laughs> just watching. Yeah, them that was really awesome. Land on the ship and just like full mercenary, like pulling out the guns. Just it was fantastic, dude. And like mm-hmm. there's a really cool shot of you got the you got the three Mandalorians with Din Djarin. So you got Bo-Katan and her two guys, and then you got Din Djarin behind Bo-Katan, and they're walking towards the camera, and they turn. Like, you have stormtroopers dropping, and they do this cool thing where they walk towards the camera and then turn off to the side and, like, go off the screen. And the way yeah. they do it with the stormtroopers' bodies dropping and stuff and then, like, putting their guns in the hole, like, it's just, it's it's a it's probably my favorite single camera shot of the entire um, episode of them just walking and like that turn, it just looks so amazing. Um, but that episode, yeah, I cannot wait for more Mandalorian. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, as soon as the episode ended, I'm like, I'm watching that again. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then I loved the uh, I love when the Razor Crest landed on that planet. Um, it had that crazy landing where you had to come through the atmosphere because the bugs, because the spiders in the previous episode messed up the ship. Yeah. Scream through the atmosphere. And then he has that harrowing landing where he kind of sort of land slash crashes. And then as soon as he's down, it tips over and falls in the water. <laughs> and you're just like, 
what else can happen to this ship? Yeah. But I, I love that. I love that. Uh, I don't know. That whole just like the ship is just hanging on by a thread sort of thing. Like, I just think that's so fun, especially like in like space sci fi stuff like this, because it's just so uh, I don't know. It just makes everything feel a lot more hopeless, which, like I was saying about this Ice Spider episode, like it just increases the tension so much. Um, not to go like too much into the Stormtrooper uh, fight scene you're talking about, but. I just think the shootouts in the show have like like they've always been good. But this season, I think there's just been some really good shootouts. And I just love that uh, that sort of Western feel is like still there through all the episodes. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to mention is because uh, I don't know the species name, but the weird like squid head guys that he was on the boat with. Um, you remember that part? Yeah. Um. Yeah, well, so when, first uh, when they tossed the squid, when they tossed Baby Yoda into the um, Mama Core. Yeah, and well, th- what I was gonna say is every single episode of this show, this season has had a giant monster in it. Even even this one where it was just a really short shot, but I was like, okay, I'm liking this. I'm hoping for some more <laughs> giant monsters in the rest of the season. But um, yeah, I've uh, everything is just really awesome about this show right now. So. I don't know too much else what to say about it now, but yeah. <laughs> well, I hope they I hope they go for a, a four for four and we get a creature in the next episode. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's my next thought. Um, the uh, <clears throat> um, let's uh, let's not talk too much more about it because we're going to be talking Mandalorian a lot this season. And let's yeah. hit the news. Um, some of this is going to be quick. Um, because we're running long. So no. that's <laughs> if that's right with you, we're just running long. Yeah, that's fine. Um, first off, uh, Scream has uh, officially yeah, I, I heard five has that. a title. Yep. Uh, <laughs> um, do you know what the title is? Uh, yep. <laughs> um, it's Scream. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought that it made me laugh when I saw it. I was like, um, okay. Uh, just because it's Scream 5, but they're titling it Scream. So I don't know if you follow uh, Zelda Williams on Twitter, <laughs> uh, Robin Williams' daughter, but uh, she had a really good tweet for this where she was like, five cream was right there and you went with scream <laughs> like they should have done it scream. But the five is a or the S sure. is a five. You know, that would have been perfect. Um I'm excited for more Scream, but I hate the way that they title uh, movie sequels and reboots nowadays where they, you know, they'll repeat the first uh, the first movie in the series is now also the fifth movie in the series like that stuff is kind of annoying to me because, yeah, I get that it's like concise and it seems cool when it comes out, but in my opinion, I don't think we need like I don't think you should have to have a Wikipedia article to know what order to watch the movies in, in a series, if that makes sense. So it, it drives me a little crazy. I don't know what your thoughts are on this in general, but, um, I'm kind of, I'm not crazy, like angered about it. Cause I'm just like, yeah, okay. It's scream, but <laughs> it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you go to watch the movies and someone goes, which one should I watch? Well, you got to start with scream, <laughs> but then you have two <laughs> movies titled scream. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. No, 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 you got to watch the first screen because that sets it all off. So um, the uh, let me see the 
I don't I don't know if I have a problem with it necessarily because I'm just excited for another stream and they got everyone to come back and that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, um, there's a Constantine sequel in the works. With uh, Keanu Reeves, apparently. Um, OK, so here's the deal. I liked the I liked the Constantine movie, the original. Um, I liked Keanu Reeves as Constantine. Um, but. If you read comic books and you might, and or watch the DC animated films that have been released and or watched Constantine on Netflix <laughs> and or watched um, DC's Legend of Tomorrow on not Constantine on Network, Con, not Constantine on NBC and uh, watched uh, Legends of Tomorrow on um, the CW on the CW Constantine in the comic books looks like the guy they use for uh, the CW, who is Matt Ryan, who is also Constantine for the animated stuff and NBC. I like Matt Ryan's Constantine better than Keanu Reeves. Um, mm -hmm. So my only beef to this is I like that version better, but I liked the other ones, so I can't really argue. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, oh, they should have Matt Ryan do it. But, you know, you know what I mean? Like, that's the only bummer part about it. Yeah, I, it's I'm this is cool. I like that Keanu Reeves movie. Um, I'm just kind of thinking, like, where was this back in, like, you know, 2007 or something? You know, why? Why is this movie sequel just coming out now? You know, and it's a it's a good movie. I just don't know. Are people like clamoring for a new Constantine sequel or, you know, you know, where did this even come from? <laughs> sort of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I. Yeah, I just I don't know. I just kind of want it to be the Matt Ryan Constantine if you're going to do another one. That's kind yeah. of set on it. No, uh, yeah, I could see that. So, all right. Um, you know, uh, they redid they, they Disney has that new uh, DuckTales show, right? Yeah. OK, so DuckTales existed when I when we were kids and they're got a new DuckTales now on Disney Plus. Um, Darkwing Duck reboot is happening at Disney Plus. Okay. Uh, I thought that was awesome. I love Darkwing Duck, so hopefully it's cool. Uh, as long as they honor it, it should be fine. Um, Chris Pratt, Star-Lord, will appear in Thor Love and Thunder. So nice. Technically, uh, <laughs> that's technically a spoiler, but it's also a nice-to-hear Marvel's got some news. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, And I was kind of – we don't know much about Love and Thunder, so um, – Let's any news we get is great. Um, so it looks like Star Lord's going to make an appearance. Um, we know that Jared Leto Joker is coming back for the Snyder Cut, right? Yeah. Okay. Have you seen the images of Jared Leto because they're changing his Joker look? No, I haven't seen this. Oh man. Yeah, there's I like two. There's like two or three pictures posted of Jared Leto's new Joker look. Um, for those people who criticize the Joker look um, in Suicide Squad. Um, it's not too far off, but they have him in the coat and hat and stuff. So it looks, so if this is a true image, um, it's a little more Joker esque in terms of what we expect the Joker to look like. So, um, that's awesome. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm going to look that up as soon as the show ended. I've been seeing a lot of other Snyder cut images shared around a ton. I just haven't seen the Joker one, but, um, I've also been like, I probably shouldn't be, but I've been somewhat 
trying to not look too deep into the Snyder cut stuff just because I kind of want to see see it when it comes out with fresh eyes and not like already know everything that's going to happen in the movie sort of thing. Oh, well, um, that's sad because I was just going to bring up something about the Snyder cut. No, no, go ahead, because I've probably okay. seen it. I'm just like not hardcore <laughs> researching everything. So, OK, so um, what I was going to bring up was, did you see the Snyder cut trailer that dropped a couple days ago? Yeah, well, OK, so I watched a trailer, <laughs> um, I think. OK, so it seemed very similar to the trailer I've already seen. And I don't know if I just watched the first one. Okay. I didn't know if I just watched the first one twice. I also saw that Zack Snyder posted the trailer in black and white, which is pretty cool because of how uh, Zack Snyder does like a a lot of cool things with lighting and sort of like the contrast in his films and stuff. So seeing the black and white version was pretty neat. Um, But yeah, yeah. What, uh, what more do you have to say about the trailer? uh, Well, the trailer is a, it's almost like so it's it's like take the original trailer that he released for the Snyder Cut and extend out every sequence in that trailer. OK, so it's like they basically they showed us new stuff. But if you were comparing trailers, you technically saw the trailer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like they just basically like I feel like they basically took the blinders off the cameras and showed you more of what the original trailer was. Um, which that part kind of bummed me a little bit because I was like, I was hoping for a little more new stuff, but I'm okay with it because it still got me excited. I'm like, all the trailer needs to do is get me excited. Um, in the trailer, however, we got a really good up close look at Steppenwolf. Did you see that image? So I don't know if I noticed it when the trailer was going on, but I've been seeing the image shared all over the place. So I've definitely Mm -hmm. seen it like a hundred times on Twitter and stuff. Um, but I didn't watch. I only watched the tra- the new trailer once, and I don't know if I caught it actually in the trailer. But um, I mean, this is kind of I kind of knew the uh, Snyder design for Steppenwolf for a while because they had like a uh, I've seen different like storyboards and stuff for what Zack Snyder wanted to do with different scenes in the Justice League. So I kind of already knew what he was going to look like. Uh, but with that being said, like, I love uh, the way he looks like I've always thought the Snyder Steppenwolf design was very uh, it lo- it just looks otherworldly and very alien. And I really appreciate that. So uh, what yes, are your thoughts? I, well, I agree with you. And so does the Internet, um, <laughs> because they are all like this is such a better design. However, the one thing I wanted to point out, which I think is interesting, is I always wondered where they got the face for Steppenwolf in um in the Snyder cut, not the Snyder cut, in the Whedon cut, I always wondered where they got the face for him because in Batman vs Superman, when you see Steppenwolf, you can't see the face. Yeah, and um, when you see it in Justice League, uh, he's got a complete. It's it's a completely different design, so I was wondering where they got it. Um, but now I can see that it probably was part of the original Snyder cut. They just Whedon just basically changed the outfit. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. It, it, it looks it just looks great. Um, Zack Snyder did, however, confirm that there's a, it's a two hours and 30 minutes of unseen footage in his version of Justice League. That's a whole movie. That is badass. Yeah. So he said that it's a four hour cut. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's two hours and 30 minutes of unseen footage. So that means only an hour and a half of the Whedon cut is actually going to be uh, is on about an hour and a half of footage we've already seen from the Whedon cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? 
Um, uh, I was going to say one more thing about the Steppenwolf design. Um, I didn't know if you were going to move on yet or not, but uh, I was going to, but go ahead. I saw I got it's two more. Really, I got two more stories because we're moving fast. So, yeah, it's just a really quick, like nerdy uh, tweet that I saw um, commenting on Steppenwolf, but they were comparing the Whedon version with the Snyder version. And they were saying it was like comparing a uh, John Byrne design to a Jim Lee design as far as how they draw like you know, aliens or like how they would design the character. And it seems really fitting because that uh, Snyder version does seem like it would be a Jim Lee design, especially in his old like X-Men or image days. So I just thought that was a kind of a cool little uh, comment there. That that is a cool comment. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right. So more DC news. Uh, Sylvester Stallone reveals that he will be joining James Gunn's suicide squad. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This Um, is cool. This is, (laughs) So it's turning into the Expendables, kind of, which is pretty neat. Well, not only that, well, you got to remember that uh, Stallone was in Guardians 2. Yeah, you're right. So, oh, yeah, yeah. So I, that makes I, sense. I don't, I don't know. He played Starhawk in Guardians 2. I don't know who he's supposed to be in Suicide Squad, but that was cool. Um, and here's the big story of the week. Wonder Woman 1984 will be released yes. in theaters and on HBO Max on Christmas Day. That means that in a COVID world, I know what I'm doing Christmas morning after I open presents. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Firing um, up HBO Max and watching me some Wonder Woman. <laughs> um, I'll be shocked if we don't do the same thing. Like, I'm uh, so excited for this. And this is a really cool move from uh, Warner Brothers that they're going to put this out there for everybody to see. You know, it's, it's just great. Well... Uh, Patty Jenkins tweeted this. This is this is a really nice tweet she put out. Um, so it says the time has come. At some point, you have to choose to share any love and joy you have to give over everything else. We love our movie and we love our fans. So we truly hope that our film brings a little bit of joy and repri- reprieve to all of you this holiday season. Watch it in theaters where it's made safe to do so. Check out our great work. Uh, theaters have done to make it so and available and available in the safety of your own home on HBO Max where it's not. Happy holidays to all of you. We hope you enjoy your film, our film, as much as we enjoyed making it. Um, I just love that because it's that what here's here's the thing from a money making standpoint. They're not going to earn the box office dollars back. But what Warner Brothers looks at that is, is we're going to release this giant blockbuster movie on HBO Max and that might make people jump on the HBO Max bandwagon and they might get new subscribers out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be that's going to be the money driver right there. Um, so I just think it's amazing. I can't wait. Um, I will be that's I guarantee that's what I'll be doing Christmas Day. Um, however, in lieu of that, you think to yourself, well, when is Marvel going to release Black Widow on Disney Plus? Because that's the next question. Yeah. Um, looked into that. Marvel statement is there are no plans of releasing Black Widow on Disney Plus. <laughs> so, uh, <Makes> sense. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> are you, uh, are you ready to start the list? Cause that brings us to the end of the news, man. Yeah, we can, we can start the list if you want. Perfect. Um, all right. So it, it is list time. Everyone knows what that means. Ryan, please roll the thing. for the top five. Okay, Peter, 
Yes. You were gone for a week, but this was your pick. So you want to explain your reasoning for doing this list pick? Yeah. So um, (laughs) just due (laughs) to all the election madness that was going on, I was just like, let's look back at the last election year and talk about our favorite films from 2016. So that's basically it. Um, This was a really cool list. There was a lot of big movies that came out. I had a horrible, like a very tough time narrowing down what movies were going to be in my top seven (laughs) with my two honorable mentions, and then just actually sorting it down to what movies make that final top five cut. I had a really hard time with it. Um, I don't know about you. Um, I was, I don't know if I'd say I had a hard time with it. I had a hard time. I was, I had a hard time when I was kind of narrowing it down a little bit. Okay. Um, So how about this? Uh, in 2016, um, the best picture that year was Moonlight, um, and movie was okay. Um, I didn't like it as much as I think the Academy did. Um, I saw 58 films that year. Okay, I had. Um, I think my count was 45. I seem to always get like in the mid 40s every year, but uh, yeah, it was like 44 or 45. So I'm close, but I hadn't seen all the you know as many as you. But yeah, all I right. have a. Uh, Two honorable mentions as well. I don't know about you, but um, I have two honorable mentions as well. Nice. Okay. Uh, so I got to go first. Um, so my first honorable mention is Bad Moms. Oh, nice. <laughs> have, you, have you seen this? Yeah, yeah, I've seen Bad Moms. Okay. It's a really fun movie. Um, I had, a, I actually had a harder time doing my honorable mentions than I did the rest. <laughs> Okay. Um, and the rest of the list, I really feel like this is this was not a year for art films at all uh, in my buck in my pile because there were so many comic book movies that came out in mm-hmm. 2016. I forgot how many comic comic book movies came out, and they ended up being my favorites of the year. So um, I just here's the thing: those actresses are phenomenal together. Um, Christian Bell and um, uh, Mila Kunis and Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn, everything she does makes me. She's a she's fantastic, and literally mm-hmm. everything. And she just makes me laugh when she gets to do like be really like dirty and say like really messed up stuff. Um, so uh, Bad Moms just it kind of it really struck me as a surprise movie, and uh, it's one of those movies that if it's on, I'll stop flipping channels. So um, yeah, that's why I wanted to. That's why it makes an honorable mention, but. Yeah, yeah I, w- I was going to mention that, too, because it's definitely um, it is a really accessible movie. If you just want to put something on and have a laugh, like it's a really good time. Um, have you seen the sequel, the Bad Moms Christmas? Yeah, I really liked it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that one's really good, too. Um, the first I guess I can better. The first one's better, but I really liked the sequel. So, yeah, um, I, I guess I'll move into my first honorable mention okay. where. People are going to call me crazy, but there's just so many movies I liked this year. The first one I was going to mention is Captain America Civil War, which is an awesome movie. It's a great Marvel movie. Um, If you listen to our Marvel episode, I'll talk about I talked about the one or two things I didn't like about it, which just really come down to certain characters motivations in the movie. But overall, I think the movie's great. It has. One of my favorite fight scenes in any comic book ever, and that's that airport fight sequence. Like that is such a awesome, really fun scene. Um, so yeah, this this movie's great. Um, it just didn't uh, make my top the top five for me this time. So, um, yeah, I you know what's funny is 
I, I think the reason I said ooh when you said that was because um, it made an honorable mention on your list I, as opposed to actually making the list. <laughs> That's why I said so. people are going to say I'm crazy, but uh, yeah. what can you do? <laughs> All right. Well, my second honorable mention is Pop Star. Never stop, never stop. <laughs> I've I've never I've never seen this one actually. I know um, about it, but um, so this is essentially the Lonely Island movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you know Lonely Island, they're the they're uh, it's Andy Samberg's like rap hip hop group that he put together for Saturday Night Live, and they did uh, they did such um, they did the like the Jack Sparrow song and like uh, a few of the other ones. Um, they're just... <laughs> it's hard to think of it's hard to think of well known ones that are appropriate to talk about on the show. Yes, that's why I'm glad because I was trying to think I of I was that's... trying to think of examples and I was like, yeah, I can't think of any that I can say right. Now, but yeah, yeah. Uh, um, keep going. Yeah. So that being said, uh, you've never seen this movie? No. So. The lonely, like I like the Lonely Island. Um, I'm not obsessed with the Lonely Island in the same way that a lot of my friends are, and it's just something that I haven't like sought out to actually sit down and watch this movie. So I think it's one of those things that someday somebody's going to force me to watch this movie and I'm going to love it. It's just not something that I've sought out personally. Uh, but yeah, go on. Um, so we, I want to, we always want to keep honorable mentions like down to them, like. <laughs> uh, we, we always talk a lot about honorable mentions. They're just supposed to be mentions, right? Um, right. The uh, this movie is essentially about a hip hop group of like three, like a boy band slash hip hop group that fell apart. So like, like imagine like the Beastie Boys and they broke up. Okay. And, uh, Andy Samberg plays like the lead who went solo after they broke up, and he's like got this big head on his shoulders. And the movie is basically a reality type movie about him. So like the cameras following him around and they have their asides where they talk to the camera, like it's being a documentary and, um, and it starts to, and it talks about him. It talks about his solo career. They talk about the breakup with the band and they, and because it's like a documentary, they're talking directly to real celebrities, real musicians, real music personalities about this like fictional band that they were in. So it's, so imagine a hip hop version of spinal tap. Okay. <laughs> is the best is the best way of like doing this. Uh, it's the best way of explaining it. It's the movie is hysterical. They even have like TMZ sequences uh, where like it's like TMZ has their moments and and they have like all like the great uh, uh, comedians and stuff. Um, uh, in there, like comedians are the uh, TMZ uh, staff members. It's they did such a nice job of like. Poking, it's like it's like the Saturday Night Live version of like poking fun at certain things, but then you still have this like documentary about a fictional band, like you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, that and if sounds you know, awesome. And if you know Lonely Island's career, um, it's it's really funny. But when you watch the credits, the thing that I loved about it was when you watch the credits, you have like Andy Samberg is you have the main guys playing whoever they're playing, and then you have the couple fictional characters played by regular actors, but then it's like this person as himself as himself, as herself, as himself, as you know what I mean, all the way down the line, like this massive list of people all just playing themselves um, because they were um, they were part of it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just it's I, I honestly you really should check it out. It's really good. It's short. It's just really good. So nice. Yeah, I'll have to keep it in mind. I need to uh, I definitely need to check it out. It sounds really entertaining. I just haven't seen this one yet. <laughs> um. I guess I can move into my next honorable mention, um, which is a lot more serious, I guess, than the one you were just talking about. But 
I chose the movie Green Room. Are you familiar with this one at all? Uh, I don't think I saw it. Okay, so oh, this is yeah, yeah. I did not see it. Wait. Okay. So this is this movie fits into the horror or thriller category, okay. but right. I'm getting confused with another movie. I have not seen this. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So this is a movie about a um, a touring punk band, but when I say touring, it's basically a couple kids who jumped in a van and started, you know, touring the U.S. and kind of playing at any basement and bar, you know, anywhere they can get a gig, they're playing there, you know, um, uh, you know, on a, on a super tight budget, they're kind of, uh, you know, just, uh, squatting around the, the country in different areas, playing any gig they can get. And, uh, they end up getting a gig in this one town they're in and, uh, they don't know it, but when they show up at the venue, they realize that it's a bar run by, uh, neo-Nazis, <laughs> It's like a neo-Nazi club. So basically what happens is through like a series of unfortunate events that I can't I honestly can't remember. They end up getting in a a like crazy hostage situation and it becomes this really crazy horror thriller movie, um, which is really, really intense. But at the same time, it has this level of um the comic relief in the movie is kind of the banter between the band because you'll be in a really intense situation, but the band will be talking about really everyday things. Uh, there's a really funny sort of uh, exchange where they talk about their desert island discography they would choose where they're like if you could have one band's entire discography when you're stranded on a desert island, which band would you choose? And they talk about that. But then later in the movie they talk about, okay, so what actual band that you would, you would choose because their first the first bands they pick are like these really credible like underground punk bands and then you know when they actually reveal their actual choices it's like Madonna and Britney Spears and stuff like that it's like a really funny thing um and that's kind of a funny running gag through the movie but uh yeah this movie is just really intense um Patrick Stewart is in the movie and he plays the villain and he does a great job and uh yeah this one's just really really fun um to kind of put it in a TLDR way, um, the Dead Kennedys have a song called Nazi Punks F Off. And this is like Nazi Nazi Punks F Off the movie, I guess. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. Uh, green Room. Cool. All right. Um, so that actually goes into my first real pick, huh? Yeah. All right. So my first pick of the night is Moana. Uh, oh, nice. This made my short list for sure. Um, it This... Okay, so Moana is I really, really took me by surprise. Um, the uh, yeah, it really took me by surprise because you know you're you're coming off the heels of Frozen at this point, and um, you don't know what Disney's throwing at you. You don't know what Pixar's throwing at you. The music in this really blew me away. Um, much I liked it. I liked it a lot better um, than. Uh, I liked it a lot better than uh, Frozen's music overall. Um, and I'm not talking just like the songs with lyrics. I'm talking like the score and stuff like that. It's just I really enjoy this. And then I couldn't stop looking at the hair in this movie. Like the animation that they did for this is phenomenal. The water effects are phenomenal. Water effects, when you look at like a video game or like an animated movie, water effects are like the standard. Like that's what people like kind of look at when they're judging graphics and that kind of thing. And like really looking at it because water is such a hard thing to do 
with a computer that um that d- d- Moana look Moana just blew me away. If you haven't really seen it, I'm surprised, <laughs> but you just need to go see this movie. So yeah, this is an awesome pick. I uh, I think you have really good points on the animation and um, also just from an art design level, like the way the characters look and not just the main characters, like a lot of the um, like, you know, when they're when they're attacked by all those like uh, coconuts or whatever. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how to describe the part, but like those characters have really cool designs and a lot of the other characters in the movie. Um, and then, like you said, I agree. I actually really like the uh, music. I haven't paid a lot of attention to the score, but I think all the songs in this movie are really catchy. Um I remember watching this movie once with my wife and, uh, you know, the, I think the song's just called shiny and it's like the one that the giant crab sings. Um, we were watching the movie and I just, I, that part came up and I go, I really hate this song, but it's really catchy and I like it too. And I really hate that. I, <laughs> I like it as well. And I think that's kind of a testament to how good the music is because how like infectious it is and how much it sticks with you and stuff like that. Um, so let's talk about shiny for a second. Um, every Disney movie I feel has a moment in the film where, um, I feel like it has a moment in the film where it doesn't exist in the movie itself. Like it shouldn't exist. It takes me out of the story a little bit. Um, Like it takes me like you have this like you have this like great momentum with a story and then they'll do like a musical number or they'll do something and it always takes me out. Yeah. The course. Of the, and then I'm back in the adventure. I'm like, why did you take me away from what I this thing that I was liking? Um, the uh, the sequence, the one of the best examples I can give you is the trolls sequence in Frozen one. Um, right. That song, like I just I don't feel like, yeah, the trolls are a part of the story and maybe going and having a conversation and understanding stuff. But I hate that song and I don't feel like it fits <laughs> like it just it just takes me it completely. It, all the like tension that they were building up to that point was gone. And you're just like, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so uh, when we got to that section in Moana with the shiny song, I was like, here it comes. This is the one bit. And then I'm like, <laughs> this part's awesome. <laughs> Oh, nice. Uh, there really wasn't anything in Moana that took me out like that. I was like, I thought it was going to be that. And then I'm like, no, this song is actually really cool. And it's really catchy. Um, yeah. So Moana was my first pick. So uh, what's yours? What's your next one? Yeah. So I actually went with another Disney movie. Uh, Pete's Dragon came out in 2016, uh, the uh, remake. And uh, I've talked about this movie a lot on the podcast, so I don't have to go too long. But uh, I just think they did a really good job of this movie um it has kind of a really cool like woodsy atmospheric aspect to it as well as just like it's a really it like it's a really touching story um the movie definitely follows kind of the formula of a lot of sort of you know like that sort of free willy sort of formula like kid gets a pet kid has to let the get the pet go but this movie still like pulled at my heartstrings. Like I really enjoyed it. I think that, uh, the movie is, was just really well done. So yeah. Okay. Um, Pete's dragon, huh? Yeah. Um, I really liked the original. I never saw the new, this one. This is, this is one where like, um, I don't, I really honestly don't cry often with movies, but this one, I got close to it and I just like, if it hit me that hard, like I, it has to make my list, you know, no matter what. So there you go. <laughs> um, 
All right, so my next one is Doctor Strange. Nice. Um, uh, Doc Strange. Uh, the um, I, I really this look. I didn't know like. My knowledge of Doctor Strange has always been like he's always when I read Marvel comics, he's always a supporting character. I never sought out the Doctor Strange books to read by himself. And I um, went into that movie going, I don't know a lot about Doctor Strange as a person aside from, you know, what you get out of there. And then you watch that movie and I was just blown away and like they couldn't have casted him better. It's like the screenplay, the cinematography, the acting, the directing, everything was just absolutely top notch. Um, I really enjoyed it. It really it was one of the it's one of the Marvel films that I really feel has a uh, stakes. Does that make sense? Right. Like yeah. You actually like worry about the characters, uh, not that you don't in other films, but I just feel like I, I, I didn't feel like I never felt the stakes were high enough. You know what I mean? Until you get to like the Thanos stuff later. Um, Doctor Strange really kind of that was a big uh, that was that really kind of blew me away a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah, de- definitely a good pick. I like Doctor Strange a lot. Um, and just one thing that you didn't comment too much on is just the visuals in this movie and how the um, during different fight scenes, how the uh, landscape and like all the battles like in the midst of like this weird prism of skyscrapers going every which way and stuff is just really, really cool to watch. And I think, um, you know, a lot of these super hero movies have really similar action scenes, you know, in a lot of ways. And I think they really did have a unique take on a lot of them, which is exactly what you'd hope for in a Dr. Strange adaption. So, uh, yeah, definitely a good pick. Um, I guess I can move into my next. So I my next, from- I apologize. <laughs> I, tried oh. <laughs> I apologize if anyone heard that, uh, for my next one, I went with hacksaw Ridge. Um, Ooh. you've seen this, I'm sure. Right. Yes. Um, this is another one where I just had to pick because this is another one that while watching, like totally tugged at my heartstrings. Like this one, I might've actually rolled a tear, but I just think this is a really moving story about, um, I don't think like there's a lot of movies, but I think the, the concept of being a conscientious objector doesn't really come up in a lot of movies. And this is kind of like a really touching story about like somebody who's actually, after being in the military decides that he's against doing any sort of violence and sort of the hardships that you'll go through to do that. But then also if you're in a battle and you don't fire your gun off once, uh, how much of a difference you can make. And it's a really, it's just a really powerful film. I think that Andrew Garfield did a great job in this movie. Um, yeah, and this one was just great. Um, I don't know if you have any count or, comments on this one specifically uh no this uh this movie was um just watching the trailer you can say you you can look at it and go just the trailer alone but this movie was um is a very well-made movie um uh and it's incredibly intense andrew garfield's fantastic this is also the movie that made everyone think that mel gibson could be a legitimate filmmaker again um yeah yeah, so it kind of put his name back on the map after all the stuff that happened with him. So uh, another thing is the uh, the battle that uh, the battle at the I want to say the end of the movie, but I feel like it's like the last half of the movie. You know, it's like a really long sequence. But uh, that whole battle scene lasted. I don't know if it was two days or even longer than that, but I it still has that level of uh, survival. Like, how long are you going to survive on a battle seat? 
uh, scene. And I don't know what it, just like that sort of survival stuff in movies. I always find really fun and really interesting. It's weird to say fun about this movie, but it's really interesting to put yourself in the character's shoes. And I just love that stuff. So, yeah. Um, is it my pick? Yeah, go for it. Um, all right. So my next one is I have a lot of comic book movies. Mm hmm. I like I realized oh, trust when, trust me I do too so when I was putting <laughs> Don't worry. when I was doing this I was like wow it's all comic book movies and nerd stuff but it was that it was one of those years yeah um the uh so the next one I have is Deadpool nice um this is the best um uh how do I want to word this uh Valentine's Day love story chick flick movie that they've ever made um and it was it was very well advertised like that. Um, so, yeah, no, Deadpool. Um, I think we all knew when the test footage got released that this movie was going to be astounding. And uh, it it was just it's just a such such a well put together movie. It really shows what happens when you allow the writers to properly do their job. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Um, this is like, cause like they don't normally, so like a writer will put his, the writer will put his, he, he will do the script and he will, uh, basically say to, um, that the, you, the writers never will see the movie again. And Ryan Reynolds had the writers on set with him at all times. Um, so if a line didn't work, they could try a different line or rework it or, you know what I mean? Like it's, mm -hmm. um, such a good um, it's such a good representation of how the writing matters. Um, and then you throw in someone with, uh, and then you throw someone like Ryan Reynolds into the role who like you, I don't think you could have done Deadpool with any other actor. You really couldn't. Um, but it's just the, it's, it's the attention to detail of the source material and the honoring of the source material that made this movie so, so well. Um, so yeah, Deadpool is my next pick. I don't know what else to say about it. Cause I think everyone in the world knows Deadpool. They all know it's a good movie. I don't need to blow it up and try and get people to go watch it. I don't need to recommend it because most people have seen it. Just it's fantastic. Um, yeah. 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 The um, I think the story behind like behind the scenes story of Deadpool is pretty interesting because from what I know, Ryan Reynolds was really the guy who is like championing this prod product or project for so long where he uh, like I, f I feel like he did so much to actually get this movie to be made. Um, and that's like just really, really cool that he had that sort of um, drive to actually get this movie to be made, because like you did mention Ryan Reynolds did such a good job at Deadpool. And it's kind of like it might be like bad to say, but I kind of feel like this is the role he was like born to play. Like he did such a good job at Deadpool. And you can kind of look at his past movies and see how like all of his comedy work had kind of been building to this one character that he just played so well. Um, and it's hard to know what else to say. Cause you said so much, you know, just how they portrayed this character. But uh, one thing that we can note as well is just this movie its legacy is living on and we can see it in real time because of how open studios are to having R rated superhero movies, which is something they never were open to before. So it's just really cool that, uh, this movie has that sort of legacy as well. Yeah, I agree. So hopefully, uh, Disney knows not to push it aside and we get the Deadpool three. Um, 
So, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Um, what's your next pick, man? Yeah, um, so my next pick is Rogue One, which uh, this was the first sort of like offshoot Star Wars story movie, um, you know, non-saga film that we saw. And I just think they knocked it out of the park with this movie. Um, it was just so it was such a really intense sort of uh, I'm trying to think of the right words, but like an intense section of the Skywalker saga or like the whole like Star Wars saga films that we never saw. And the way they portrayed everything was just like really well done, really intense. Um, this is one where I just like so much. And I think the movie is so good that it's even hard to know where to start on this one. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Rogue One? Um, so uh, Rogue One really this is another one of those movies that blows you away because you you know you're going in to see Star Wars, but it's like you said, it's outside of the saga. So being a non-saga film, um, you kind of don't know what to expect walking in. But what you do know you can expect is they said it takes place um, before episode four. So the original Star Wars, right? So yeah. think about this. When you watch the original Star Wars for the first time, the crawl happens. You get to see that famous crawl at the beginning where it says Star Wars, and then it says Episode Four, A New Hope, and then it you read those three paragraphs. If you read those three paragraphs, those three paragraphs are the story of Rogue One. So, in a sense, in a that's sense, that's a good point. Rogue One is the very first Star Wars story you actually get before you watch the movie. Okay, you know nothing about Star Wars, but you're reading this story about something that just happened about the crazy battle that, (laughs) you know, during the battle, the rebels, you know, won their first victory. They stole the plans for the evil Death Star. They transferred it to Leia. She's on her way to take it back to the rebellion so they can go fight the Empire at their big base. So then you go into Rogue One and then you get to see the story of, you know, the exactly it's almost verbatim. Um, and so essentially Rogue One really is the first Star Wars story, if you think about it. Um, and going in and seeing that for the first time, knowing what you were walking into, um, what I love about it is like we're accustomed to Luke, Han, Leia, all that stuff. But then you throw in you know, your classic characters, but then now you're going in with these new characters and you got to learn them. And, you know, it, it came out after, uh, it came out after force awakens. And I had a friend of mine ask me like, who do you think's going to die? You know, cause Han Solo died in force awakens spoilers, <laughs> but, um, Han Solo dies in that movie. So everyone's like, who do you think's going to die in this one? And I'm like, honestly, I think they're all going to die. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I was like, well, I was walking into that movie expecting every character to die and not make it through. Um, and I mean, yeah, ba- essentially that's what happened. But the fact that they were like, they put together such an amazing story with that. Um, the only part I don't like is the Borgullet sequence just because I think it's weird. Um, but it's still star Wars and it fits because it's that weird star Wars creature stuff. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's just I just think the creature's weird. That's all. Um, but everything <laughs> else, but everything else, like the movie, just it's it's so great. Um, I really liked Jyn Erso's character as a whole. I liked the idea of the explanation as to why uh, the uh, the uh, 
chink in the armor, if you will, on the Death Star itself um, is there and uh, how it was linked to uh, like Galen or so put it there. On yeah, Earth as a defiance. That's actually a really good point. Um, Rogue One covers. Uh, one of the things Rogue One does is they resurrected a dead actor. Um, which what's interesting about that is we had heard rumors and stuff about Lucasfilm working on some crazy dead actor kind of a thing. And we heard that they were, um, digging up contracts for all kinds of dead actors like Marilyn Monroe and Elvis Presley and stuff like that. And you don't think about that part of it until you see Rogue One and you see Peter Cushing alive. And you're like, oh, my God, this guy's been dead for 40 years. Here he is on screen. Not just not just in a quick, like, couple lines of dialogue, a supporting character that moved around and acted with the other actors. Um, That is amazing what they were able to do CG wise, which makes me think that one of these days we're going to get a Marilyn Monroe biopic and you're going to have Marilyn Monroe back on the screen or you're going to get an Elvis Presley biopic and you're going to get Elvis Presley back on the screen. This is one of those moments where Star Wars pushed technology the way Star Wars has always pushed technology. Um, and that's something that Rogue One really, like, pushes. Um, and then the other thing about Rogue One is that it's basically a um, it's basically a band of brothers. It's their war film. It's it's more of a war film than any of the other Star Wars films they are. So Nice. Yeah. Um, um, I'm, I, I'm I was... off my Rogue One soapbox, soapbox right now. So. <laughs> no, it's all good, because I knew... Um... You were going to start talking and I was going to start thinking of different things. But uh, there was a couple of <laughs> things I wanted to mention. Um, I just one of the things is because uh, I'm pretty sure it was Force Awakens came out and then this was the next movie. And I remember Force Awakens had pretty much no connection to the Star Wars prequels. And I, I feel like the rumor at the time was Disney was trying to distance themselves from the Star Wars prequels. And I just remember yeah. watching Rogue One and having like characters like or having like saw Gerrera being a part of it and then also like i remember gareth edwards snuck a gungan into the background of one of the scenes and i just like i thought that was really cool that like he still was honoring that uh connection i also i might be wrong but for some reason i think i remember uh reading articles that Gareth Ed- Edwards uh, invited Lucas onto the set, which I don't know if that happened for Force Awakens or not. But uh, uh, I don't know if it happened for Force Awakens. I know Lucas went, was on set for Last Jedi, and I know Lucas has been on set several times. Oh, he was on set for Solo because he directed a sequence in Solo. Yeah. I've. Um, and I know he's been on set several times for The Mandalorian. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I might be wrong because this is this is would have been an article I read like four years ago. But for some reason, I thought Gareth Ed, Edwards invited him to the set, too. And that was like a big thing. But uh, like I said, that this is kind of hearsay for me at this point. But uh, the other thing I wanted to comment is, on is just um, one of the most important parts of star Wars to me is the environments in the movies. Um, the sort of when they go to a planet, you know, what's in the background, how is this planet structured, what's going on? And I think, uh, if you watch the prequels and the, uh, original films, I think George Lucas was always thinking about what was going on on each planet and building these really intricate environments. And I think, 
Force Awakens I love, but I do think some of that sort of environmental world building was missing maybe a little bit. But I just thought everything in Rogue One, all the planets were really cool. Uh, Jeddah had like a really awesome lore as well as just like design to a lot of the elements of it. I loved, uh, was it Scarif? Was that the, the, the one, the battle scene at the end? Was that Scarif? Yeah. Yeah, that that okay. whole like the whole like compound with like the massive sort of communications tower that was like a really interesting design for stuff. So that's just like my only other comment is I just thought the environments and the planets were just really well done in this movie as well. So yeah, I agree. Um, and that battle sequence, so from Scarif, so from when they land on Scarif to the end credits, it's nonstop battle, and it's awesome. And yep. it's intense and it's kind of like it's kind of like you needed all that setup stuff to get to that part. But that's that whole sequence from that point on is the reason why you went to see that movie. Um, and it's just it's amazing. Um, we could be on this for the rest of the show. So we got to keep moving. Um, <laughs> so this rolls to me, right? Yes. OK, so my next pick of the night is Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice. Nice. Um, this movie, I'm sorry. Like, I know people like I know there's a lot of like love hate for this movie, but it really is probably one of the best comic book films out there. Um, and I'm talking about over even over some of the Marvel stuff is out there. Marvel does great work. Don't get me wrong. But when you look when you really look at the attention to the source material and an adaptation from page to screen and all the story threads that were put in that movie and in, in, in the attended in the in the intention to have what we're going to finally get is the Snyder cut um, in terms of the payoff. This movie is fantastic um, in the art design and the costume design and the script. The script is incredible. If you really look at it, if you really look at the what's there, the script is astounding. The story that they're trying to tell. Um, and I've. And I, it was really hard for me to like, cause I know people hated it and I kept watching it. Like I watched it over and over again and I'm like, people hate this movie and I'm trying to figure out why people hate it. And I started to like dislike it a little bit and I'm like, no, 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 Don't fall into the hole with everybody else. And then you see, <laughs> the, um, and then you see the uh, director's cut version. And I know you prefer the theater version, Peter, but um, I prefer the director's cut version and they put it. I'm, like, I'm, I'm on, on the fence about which Version it's I all good but they, to clarify <laughs> with the director's cut and you have like some of the things you're just like, oh, that's why this is that way. And but I understood why they took it out of the theater cut. You know, when you when you really break it down, like this movie really set the stage for some big, big things that we just haven't gotten paid off yet because of crazy political studio grumblings that caused the film, another film to not release well. Um, yeah. This movie really covered like, here's the thing, like, let's just the opening of the movie is the Wayne murder. I felt in that scene, probably like I love how that was shot in comparison to the other. The other time we got to see the Wayne murder was in the Christopher Nolan movies because they don't really show it in the 1989 Batman. They kind of it's it's very dream sequency, so it's not as well shown, in my opinion. Um, the Christopher Nolan one's very just cut and dry, bang, bang, they're dead, and you see the kids sitting in the street. This was, like, very artistically shot. I love how it's set up. I love that fact that, like, 
when in the struggle her the, the pearl necklace gets caught on the gun and he kind of angles it back and then the the slide lock on the gun like causes the pearls to break like it's just artistic things like that that make the camera work really cool the cinematography is just it's really nicely set up when you see stuff i think it's really cool when you see stuff like that so um, and there's, I mean, there's a lot more that I could be talking about and I could go on and on about this movie and I've talked about it before on this show. Um, but it just happened to be a 2016 movie. So I had to blow it up. This, this movie really is one of my favorites of this year. Um, and it just makes me more excited to just talking about it makes me want to go watch it now. And it makes me more excited for Snyder cut in a few months. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I, I love this movie and, uh, this is a movie that, I mean, I loved uh, Man of Steel as well, and uh, that's a movie that after it came out, I remember seeing it multiple times in the theater and uh, buying it on Blu-ray and watching it multiple times at home. And uh, before Batman v Superman came out, I had to watch Man of Steel again a night or two or a night or two before going to the theater to see BVS. And uh, then I went to see Batman v Superman and just watching the movie and loving it. And I went with a group of friends. And I was like the only person in the group who loved the movie. And I was really surprised. And um, I'm not like you where I ever like had a moment where I started to not like the movie. I my frustrations with this movie was always I always like felt it was really great, which I know. I know. I know uh, you did, too, as well, Drew. So I'm not trying to say that, but I always knew it was great. And I was frustrated that people would criticize it so much and would nitpick so many little things. And, you know, like maybe somebody didn't like the Martha sequence, which is just like, okay, well, what did you think of the rest of the movie? Like, Is that one part that you didn't like going to ruin the rest of it? When we did right. get to see a lot of really cool things, like, like you were saying, the uh, way they portrayed the, uh, the Wayne murder at the beginning of the movie or, you know, getting to see a live action doomsday. And um, I'm sorry, I really do like that doomsday design. I think they did a really good job of do of portraying doomsday in the movie. And if you know the history of that character, the way they did it in the movie actually makes a lot of sense if you actually pay attention. Um, but I just remember, wait, 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 you said something that was vitally important to that movie. Pay attention. That? <laughs> yeah. Pay attention. There's so much there that I think when people complain about hating the movie, they didn't pay attention and they skipped over certain things. And that's not saying you can't. I'm just saying you should like don't put the phone down and focus on what you're watching. Yeah, absolutely. So. And um, oh, and then there's like there's another I remember there's a moment in the movie when uh so towards the end of the movie, there's the huge fight scene with Doomsday and Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman. And there's a moment when they take the, the fight to space and they actually do this in Man of Steel as well. But I remember um, Superman launching Doomsday up into space and then they get hit by the nuclear bomb and Superman is up there and it shows a shot of him in space and he looks like a zombie because of just how deteriorated he is. But then he catches a ray of sunlight and you see his body like sort of inflate, like he regains his strength. And it was at that moment because that shot was so unique and so uh, it was just a really cool way to accentuate what was going on. And I remember at that moment thinking in my head, this is the greatest superhero movie I had ever seen. Like I loved it. And I just you know what that's from. Um, you're going to tell me and then I'm it's, probably going to remember. It's but. from the dark Knight strikes again. 
Uh, when oh, she okay. To take the nuke up into space and it explodes. Superman has to take a nuke up into space. So, like in Batman vs Superman, he's fighting Doomsday in space. The nuke comes up, hits them both. Superman, Superman takes it. He's dead, and then the sunlight brings him back to life. Um, in in the Dark Knight Strikes Again by Frank Miller, um, Superman has to take the he takes the nuke up into space and it explodes, killing him. And then the sunlight brings him back to life, and then he comes down to you know continue fighting and i was yeah. like and i knew when i knew when i saw as soon as that happened i'm like dude it's dark knight strikes again and i just got excited you know so <laughs> yeah well i mean and then to me i was also thinking about how super like in man of steel superman was on zod ship and when he finally gets out of zod ship he starts to regain his strength and he goes down to uh, earth to save not only the earth but also lois and his mother and stuff and that that sort of nuke scene from BVS kind of really reminded me of the scene in man of steel when Superman starts flying back to earth. And, uh, just that sort of symmetry that Zack Snyder puts in his, in the cinematography of his movies, I think is really cool. But, um, yeah, it was just like, I remember that shot in Batman V Superman and thinking this movie is freaking great. And I was just kind of shocked leaving the theater to find out that a lot of my friends didn't like it. But, um, I mean, needless to say, this is one of my favorite, superhero movies so i know we could go on forever about it but uh yeah i didn't know if you had anything else about it right now uh no we could do a whole show on this so let's curb it for right now because you we still have a couple picks to go so what's your next one (laughs) well my next one could go really fast because my number pick two pick was deadpool okay (laughs) and uh this is one where i mean comparing deadpool to like rogue one or hacksaw ridge and stuff like there's more like movies with heavy subject matter that are technically better movies. But I just had to think of like Deadpool. I had so much fun with, and it's a movie that I've watched so many, many more times than a lot of other movies that came out this year. And I was just like, yeah, Deadpool is my number two pick, even though I really love a lot of the other really good movies that came out as well. So, yes. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say about Deadpool. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, cause we blew that up a little bit. Um, so my last pick of the night, um, and I'm going to go real fast on this because we talked for a while on this already as rogue one, uh, nice. a star Wars story. Um, I don't need to say much more about it. If you are a star Wars fan, you should have already watched this movie. If you are a mediocre star Wars fan and had, and somehow missed it, you need to see it. And then immediately you got to do what I did. You got to watch rogue one and then immediately watch episode four, because I remember, I remember leaving the theater for Rogue One, driving home, walking in the house and throwing in the Blu-ray for uh, episode four. And I just watched and I literally it was just like it was like I picked up the story right where it left off because of how close those movies are set. Um, (laughs) That's awesome. I actually need to I've never done that. I need to actually do that. That sounds like I just remember watching Rogue One in the theater going, holy crap, I got to go watch episode four. And I got home and I just threw it in immediately and just sat and watched Star Wars for another two hours. It was just it was amazing. So but you really need to watch those movies back to back. Try it one time and you're going to realize how amazing it all falls together. So. Mm Um, what's your final pick of the night, man? Oh, yeah. So you could probably guess it. But my final pick is Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Absolutely my favorite movie of this year. And um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I'm just I can't wait for the Snyder cut. I'm so happy that it's actually happening. So. Um, So, yeah, as uh, the top five report is clearly uh, 
fans of the Snyder Cut, and we can't wait. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, are you ready to hear what we got next week? Yeah, what do we got? Okay, so I was thinking about how we did um, we did uh, giant robots, like okay, back yeah. originally when we did the show. That was like episode six or something. That was like episode like six. It was real early when we first started the show. We did a thing about giant robots, like Mecha Godzilla and robot jocks, and you know the Power Rangers Zords and all that stuff, like crazy big stuff like that. <laughs> um, I just thought it'd be cool to do movies about robots in general. Um, so because I was thinking about, I got into, I got into this conversation with someone about the singularity, about how, you know, the AI will eventually take over and stuff. And it made me start thinking about robot movies like AI and, uh, I robot and Terminator and all that stuff. So I was like, this would be kind of cool to do like movies about robots. Um, so, and that goes, anything goes, um, I mean, if you want to throw in a giant robot one, great, but I was, I was a little more thinking about the the smaller ones that are a little more human size, if you think about it, like Terminator and stuff. So, well, that's, I was, I'm just kind of curious, like, are you looking for more artificial intelligence sort of things or is like Pacific Rim on the table? Kind of, but if if you just want like, Hey, this movie's got a, you know, like, uh, let me give you like short circuits, a good example of a robot movie. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I just movies about robots. So, okay, cool. Or, uh, um, the best robot ever Tobor, um, which is uh, that's it's a good name for a robot, which is robot backwards. Nice. What's that from? <laughs> uh, it's an old toy. Uh, it's an old toy oh. from the 70s. Um, it was like a robot, like remote control robot toy from the 70s called Tobor. And uh, Tobor is robot backwards. <laughs> that's great. Tobor. Um, anyway, I just, <laughs> yeah, I just it's just. I wasn't alive. Like, I remember the toy, but I wasn't alive when it came out because I wasn't born then. So, um, but it's just a, it's, I just thought, I always thought that was funny. Uh, nice. I was like, we need a name for this robot toy. How about Tobor? Where'd you get that from? <laughs> oh, <the> robot backwards. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. So we're going to do robot movies next week. Um, but yeah, any, uh, any final thoughts before we close this out? Um, I don't think so. Okay, perfect. One more episode in the can. Um, so uh, do us all a favor. Check out our website, uh, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with a link to our um, email, top5report at gmail.com. Uh, you can interact with the show there. Hit us up there. Hit us up on our email. Either way works. Um, e- social media or email, either way works. Um we are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and uh, Apple Podcasts. Um, if you you can subscribe to us there, or you can and you can leave us a review. If you subscribe to us, you will not miss a single episode. Um, and leaving the reviews, we love the five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Uh, you can follow me personally at Twitter and Instagram. Uh, they're both the same. It's Drew three nine two seven Peter. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be reminding you to. <laughs> sorry, I will be reminding you to keep the baby away from the frog eggs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that little shit, dude. <laughs> um, at any rate, uh, go watch the Mandalorian. You'll understand that. Um, anyway, uh, for the top five report, my name is Drew. I'm Peter, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. <laughs>